0: Tour of Flanders, I used to stop for a piss on the Cotecchia sometimes. Yeah. And that is like three or four climbs before second time climb on, you know? And it was a good moment because it was a big road afterwards. You could come back and you could chill. There is no way in hell I am stopping for a piss. I'll never I'll never see the front of the bike race again. Like there is no way. So I'm talking the first cobble section, which is the Lipoven straat going mm. into the Padre straat That's the first flat cobbles of the Tour of Flanders. That was a full-on running proper, you know, really? like, and you can, you can choose to play the game or you don't have to play the game. And what I mean by that, like some leaders take the risk of not using the energy and just sitting back in the peloton, but there may be a crash and they may be caught behind it or they put their team on the front and butcher them <laughs> into yeah. that sector to make sure that they are safe for as long as possible. So, you know, I was boxing on with Pogachar into the first cobble section, like trying to get one wheel in front. And this guy's gone on to win the bike race. Oh, well, not win, but nearly win. And um, You're just one of the yeah.
1: pawns who are getting burnt. And you're next to him. You're like, mate, I don't care how long I have to hold you in the wind. I'm just a pawn.
0: Yeah, I'm just... I'm a <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> but it's true, though. It's <laughs> I'm just next to this king or queen, whatever you want to call him. And... Uh, this little pawns just getting in the way.
1: Well, that was Luke Derbysh last week talking about the classics. It's classics time. I'm excited. I love tuning in with Derbo every week. This is Talking Luft and this episode is brought to you by Rafa, our title sponsor. Last week, I was down in Tasmania filming a documentary, and the idea was we're going to go around and chat to different people on bikes. And I was thinking, I don't know if I really want to be wearing cycling kit. So I looked into it and I contacted them at RAFA and I said, can, is there anything else I can do? They said, well, we've got this explore range. I was like, what, what, what is that? And it's essentially comfortable riding clothes, normal c- civilian clothes, if you want to call it civvies. I thought, like, oh, I don't know about that, I'm not used to riding long distances in normal clothes. I can tell you firsthand, it was awesome. I loved it, I was camping, I had pants on, I had you know a loose t-shirt on, I had my bike bags on my bike. So everything I needed was on my bike and I was comfortable. When I did these interviews, I wasn't standing around in kit all day. It was a w- new world for me. As you know, this is a new world for me and I'm discovering cycling in a different way and the kit is coming along with me. Rapha have produced this range, the Explore range, to suit this style of riding. And I can tell you firsthand, it's something I want to do again. If you're not in for that tight lycra stuff, this is your area. You need to go and check this out. Now on to Talking Loft 3.0. Now, as you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Luke Derbysh has actually already done two Talking Lofts, and he's flipped the mic on me on Talking Loft. So he's a well-groomed person when it comes to Talking Loft. But I thought I got to get in with 3.0. I've got to think of a new idea. Durbo, I love chatting with him, so what I did is I went away and I created a quiz. We've got the Talking Love quiz, we sit down with Durbo, and I try and catch him out. Sit back and enjoy this one, guys, because I certainly had a lot of fun recording it. I'm here with Luke Durridge, Durbo, Turbo Durbo, I've got him back. I've dragged him out of training once again after Amstel Gold Race. He's doing his recovery ride. He's up in Holland. Are you still in Holland, Derbs? Yep. We're in Vals. In Vals. I know the area very well. Not too far from where I used to live. And we've got Talking Luft 3.0. This is New Grounds. There's no one else I would want to try
0: the pod out. A new Talking Loft with than you, mate. Last podcast, I'm the pawn, you know, so uh, <laughs> keep using me like a pawn. Let's try it out.
1: This has been a hard one to formulate, so let's start. This is right. now a new idea. It's a quiz. So it's talking of style, the same sort of feel, but now you're going to have to think about things and you're going to have to deep go deep into your knowledge and everything you've learned from hanging out with me and everything you've learned from cycling culture, you need to think on that and produce the answer you ready. Oh, you're going to hit
0: me this day after Absol Gold. All right, okay. Plenty of brain capacity left.
1: You know I do like to try and bury you as much as I can, so you've got to be ready (laughs) for it. All right,
0: here we go.
1: (laughs) Here we go. All right, let's start with style like we always do. Name the rider who most famously wore this style, Cut Cap. Taffy? Taffy, well done, mate. He started very good. Uh, I tell you what, you would have been in big trouble if you didn't get that one. That was super easy. Set yard, oh, straws, bloody <laughs> Floater. Andreas Taffy, well done, mate. The only guy who ever wore cut cap, more or less. Bandana.
0: Um, bandana. Clue? Yeah. Italian. Italian. Um, Climber? Bartoli? No.
1: Passed away. Um, He's already passed away.
0: Oh, ben, Pantani. Wore a Pantani? Well Pantani. Yeah. Well done, mate. Little help, go. but you, you got go.
1: there in the end. Well done. I was
0: thinking of a headband, but
1: yeah. Anyway, no gloves. Someone who wears notoriously no gloves. Tom Boonen. Good one. But current day, more more than Tom Boonen. He even holds no gloves, even when Tom Boonen wore gloves. I'm talking about winter time. This guy never wears gloves ever.
0: Well, I know Heinrich Hausler doesn't.
1: Heinrich Hausler, well done, mate.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. Even even in winter, he doesn't wear gloves. Never wears gloves. That. That's uh, his. That's his motto. I tried that theory. Like it's a good theory. It doesn't work in Roubaix, but I mean, when you crash, you really take some skin off. Mullet. <laughs> Who? Which
1: one? The best There's mullet of the pe- the best mullet of the of the peloton in the history of time.
0: <laughs> Mitch <Meat> Stalker. No, <laughs>
1: it's
0: on me. It's on me. Shame. It's not Shane. Well, Shane's is pretty filthy. It's like the longest one I've ever seen.
1: It's a combination um, of riding well as well. You have to actually be good. So this guy wasn't <laughs> just well, a
0: mullet. John had a mullet too, didn't No, he? he
1: just had long hair.
0: This guy was world yeah, okay. champion. With a mullet. Oh, yeah, I know this, but I, I, um, I don't know the name. You, didn't you go with Gerondo as him? Lauren Brochard yeah, yeah, yeah. Put that yeah, one okay, in your sorry, back pocket. Yeah, all
1: right. And last, Bruchard, one in- last one in style, best Luft. The guy who raced with the best Luft, the cap perched on his head. Who handled it uh, all the best? Mig- Big Mig. Well done, mate. Well done. You. I'd say you got 50% there. Well done. Oh, come on. Next topic, bike knowledge. Now, I'm going to run through bike models and you just need to simply guess the- Make of the of the model, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. All right, you you understand what I'm saying with the very first one. Ready? C40, Colnago, Foil, Scott, Super Six Evo, Canada? Prince, Ooh, Pinarelli. Well done! Wow, he's he's rolling. Okay, we're good. There's ten here, so we've got to keep going. Ti. This is going to be hard for you. Ti. Now. Yep. Um, now this is just. Do you want me to set it up, or you're you're ready to go for it? De Rosa. This is the 1980 Tour de France winner, a 1985 world champion. Oh. You want one more clue? You own one of the of the brand. I don't know if you actually own a Ti. Raleigh. Raleigh. Well done, mate. You need a fair bit of help there, but you got there.
0: Who was that? What? Who was the world champ? Soda Milk. Okay.
1: Dutchy, 110. This is a bit more your era, so it's just a 110. Now, this bike was revolutionary in 1994. An English guy rode it. Uh It's actually revolutionary in 92 at the Olympics, but when it first came into the Tour de France, it was 1994 with Team Gann. Lotus. Oh, jeez. I know. Jeez, you know your time troll, don't you?
0: No, famous frame. Famous frame.
1: Who's it famous for then? Um,
0: Boardman. What team was he riding with? What year did it star in the Tour de France? Oh, I couldn't tell you what year. I think he won the stage. Was it in Ireland, maybe? Hmm. They were there.
1: Team GAN, 1994. Well done, mate. TCR. Giant. Madone. Trek. Oh, well done. KG381.
0: KG381. Uh,
1: Think French. Uh, oh uh iconic brand. Like look. Well done. We got there.
0: It didn't help, but yeah.
1: This is a real real curveball. Penta. Decathlon? Oh, how did you know
0: that? Uh, oh nice. How did you know that? How did you actually know that? Cause when I was thinking of the Gann bike and it was like French and I was like fuck was it decathlon that they rode and then no shit that name just sounds like a cheap (laughs) name so I was like it was a a guess yeah oh my gosh that's
1: amazing (laughs) well done you know you saved everything with that one final answer
0: (laughs) the bike knowledge is that's not bad better than style all
1: right let's move on to Roubaix Roubaix is coming. This week, so I've got five questions about Roubaix. Ready? Yep. Name the three Mape riders who crossed the line together on Roubaix Velodrome in 1996 when they went one, two, three. Everyone knows the photo. They're saluting together. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. Can you name the riders?
0: I think I possibly can can only name one. Museo. Okay. Where did he finish? uh he won well wow, okay well done that's a good start but from there i i'm i'm in pretty bad shape i mean i could say taffy was the next one
1: wow well done he didn't
0: finish second so no. where did he finish okay he was
1: third, third well third done then,
0: but the second rider was another italian mm. uh Nah, no way. I she wouldn't have...
1: Gianluca boto So, he was the, th- the the second place rider. All right. Wouldn't have got that. Question two. We did pretty well. Not bad. Name five rube sectors.
0: Well, it's funny. Like, the real names are the actual names you tell them. But uh, we've got uh, five Rubays. We've got Carrefour de Labra. We've got Forrest Arenberg. We've got, I mean... I just, well, like, have not my- the,
1: That's not the exact name, Forrester Arenberg.
0: No. Well, Arenberg, whatever. 28 um, Arenberg. yeah,
1: right. Okay, you, you're sort of getting by.
0: Well, that's the thing. I I only know from just, like, what people say. Or She's is one. So, it's three, uh, Mark Matteo, four, <laughs> and then Wallace. <laughs> Stuart O'Grady section, I call it as well. Then I just have these little, like, things in my head. I don't know the exact names, but I'm, like, I know what Sector 13 is this, where Stewie attacked or... Rah, that's rah, not so. what it is. No, no, no. no I'm, not, I'm just saying that that's oh, how okay. I remember. All
1: right, all right. Well done. You sort oh. of... You fumbled your way through that. You did better than actually what I thought. All right, Thanks. then. How long is the track in Roubaix?
0: I don't know that, but I'll, can I take a guess? Go for it. 350 metres.
1: This threw me out. I have to admit, I thought it was 333. It felt like a 333 track. It's actually a 500 yeah. meter track. Really? It it's still I cannot find any other information that says otherwise. But I that's worked huge. back. It's
0: way bigger than I expected.
1: I worked back from a k to go. You come off that last sector. It's a k to go. Once you go through the flam flam rouge at one k to go, when you come off the final sector, it's only got to be about 200 meters from there to the track, and then you only do one and a half laps. So if you work that out meters wise, one laps 500. So plus that 200, I that's 700. Yeah. Has to be. It has to has be to a 500-metre right? track, but it doesn't feel like 500.
0: No. I thought a maximum 400 metres, but uh, yeah, right. Oh, there you go, 500.
1: Okay. Question four, who was the winner of the last wet Roubaix 2002? Oh, actually, I made a mistake here, but I'd still know the winner.
0: The last wet Roubaix 2002 was Doma Farmer Fritz, I think was the team who won, no?
1: That's what I thought. Sorry, no. that was
0: 2001. Uh, was it two wet ones in a row?
1: Yeah, 2-1 was wet, and that was... Who are you, who are you thinking about, 2001?
0: be broke his handlebars, no? I no, that's, that year, that's 2002. That's 2002. 2001,
1: he's uh, a director for Ineos right now. Dutch.
0: 2002.
1: No, I'm talking about oh, 2001 so. now. 2002 is a Belgian. Oh, okay. The Belgian is the Lion of no, Flanders yeah. who won, 2002.
0: Oh, okay. Um, so, Museo won.
1: 2001. Two. 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 So, yeah, Surveys Carnarvon exactly. one 2001. Sorry, that's what I was thinking, but yeah. Right. Butchered that question, didn't yeah. we? <laughs> okay. All right, all right, all right. Let's move on. How long was the Forest of Urenberg?
0: <laughs> I think it's like, I don't know. It's funny, man. this is hard. I'm too long. Can I keep guessing? Is this a guessing game? Yeah, or you can you, just, you guess. just don't know it. I've got some, come know, on,
1: move like, on. We've got some real big questions 2K, coming. Okay, 2K, 2K. 2.4. Even I knew that one. I didn't have to research that one. Real men know those sort of questions, answers to those questions, mate. Real Roubaix men. All right. Stop slaying me. <laughs> the, next, the next topic is situational. So, it's COVID period. San Remo's in the summer. San Remo's got a different course, Milan-San Remo. So, no one knows what this new climb is. You normally go over the Trikino and you drop down to the coast. The night before... The team says to you, We're going to drive out 100k and we're going to recon from 100k to 200k and do this new climb that no one's ever done before. This whole area that's really important. They say also in that meeting, The bus is not going to go out. Grab your shoes and your helmet and make sure you put them in the cars as we drive out. You jump in the cars, you drive all the way out there. As you get out there, you arrive, you're putting your shoes on, and you just think, Where's my helmet? You look in the cars for a spare one. There's no spare helmet. So you've just spent a hundred K driving out here, a very important section to recon for the new San Remo. Do you, A, don't do the recon, sit in the car, waste a whole day of riding, reconning with the team, and ultimately jeopardizing your position in the race on the oncoming oncoming day with your teammates and DS because you haven't ridden that hundred kilometers that they crucially said. B,
0: this is ridiculous. Yeah, keep going. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Decide to ride in the car until you hopefully see a bike shop and stop and buy a helmet knowing that almost 100% likely they're not going to have your team-sponsored helmet, which will ultimately cost you about €300, Euro, plus a lot of work explaining to higher-up sponsors while you were not wearing a team-sponsored equipment helmet. But you'll still get to hopefully do some recon and you'll be safe. What
0: question is this?
1: You notice a small kid on the side of the road, and despite the kid not wanting to give you his helmet, (laughs) you convince his parents to purchase it off him. (laughs) You leave the kid crying on the side of the road. The helmet is (laughs) so small. ...that is only perched atop your head, so it's not even remotely safe, but you're able to complete the recon, and if any photos are taken, you'll be, gained, be explained to higher up. Or D, you embrace the situation, you understand that although it's very dangerous riding without a helmet, but is not illegal in Europe, this may be your only chance to able to rock your no-helmet style without a, in a real situation." You'll be impressing your DS who ultimately has raced and trained without a helmet his whole career and therefore you'll get to complete the whole recon as planned. But, of course, there are the obvious risks of crashing and photos explaining to higher up again, but for a different reason than not being sponsored correct. A, B, C or D, Durbo?
0: <laughs> I'd have to take the kid's helmet, I think. <laughs> so, C, you chose chosen C yeah give me your helmet kid
1: the reason why i've been able to formulate this question so well is because this is the exact scenario i was in in the COVID period
0: (laughs) what did you choose did you uh i chose a kid's helmet
1: i chose d Uh, wore a headband and just rolled with it it.
0: (laughs) and you impressed your ds and didn't have to answer the sponsor well the thing is i went rafa now so
1: i went back to the ds and you said yeah what's the problem just go without a helmet and i was like yeah what is the problem Let's go for it. All right, quick next one. It's the last day before you hit a long period of racing. You've been sick and off the bike for a week before and need this long day to close out a very important training block. You've punched it, 90k from home. The closest town is 15k away. And you think there's a bike shop there. You've already punched it once and stupidly don't have a second spare. Do you? A. Rim bash at 15k to the town knowing that potentially you could wreck one, a tire, and two, a rim, and ultimately find out there is actually, in fact, no bike shop there, leaving you with a hard and expensive call to ra- Lara. But give yourself the off chance of getting a, off with Scott Free and no damage and a quick replacement tube, and you're back on your way to complete the final session. B, call Lara. Get the pickup. But obviously, you would need to wait on the side of the road for a minimum of an hour as she drives out, plus the notorious Lara get ready time. Even if she was to bring a tube to go on co- to complete your ride, the time lost waiting and your location where you punctured, with light falling, you would never make it. You would have no choice but to jump in the car and get a lift home and be safely, but that crucial session would be completely lost. C. Sit and wait. Knowing this is a commonly ridden road and potentially someone would come along soon enough with a spare and help you out and you could be on your way back into that ever important training day, but also knowing it may never happen and time is being wasted just waiting and hoping. Or D, try your hand at hitchhiking. Knowing you don't really speak Spanish that well, if you were happen to land a ride, they were only going to be able to take you to that town that is a that where you think there is a bike shop leaving you back in the position where you're going to be rim bashing it there, except your bike is probably going to be still intact. But you maybe have lost too much time to complete your ride before dark, waiting for a ride, and even if there is a bike shop there. turbo
0: uh, <laughs> Another absolutely ridiculous situation. Well, but has happened to me and you. The thing is... <laughs> I like how you put this back on me that who doesn't take two spares. Like Well, you know, you know you know
1: you know I'm not formulating this, this situation from I'm not fabricating it. This is the exact situation that happened to us.
0: Yeah, well this is true. We we you we went on a gravel ride on road bike so it's our fault. You know, reconning strata. Um, I think I go situation C.
1: Pull over and wait and just hope that someone's
0: got- gonna ride by. Because it actually worked for you. Someone picked you up. We arrived no, but I the didn't bar, pull shot. over my...
1: I rimbashed I rim it and then hitchhike. Yep. I combined A and D. Yeah, okay. All right,
0: well, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the hitchhike. There's always someone there.
1: Okay. So, you're going with D now, hitchhike?
0: D. Sorry, D, hitchhike. Okay.
1: All right, final scenario. You ready? Yep. This one actually hasn't happened to me, but I could just imagine it. It's Ken Wavelgum. Massive crosswinds. You've drunk way too much coffee and water before the start. And although you weren't needing to go to the toilet before the start, as soon as the flag drops, you suddenly feel the pressure building down there. There's no time to think about it because it's on. Crosswinds from the start and racing full gas. It splits straight away. You make front group and you are just full gas swapping off turns all day. But that piss is just building. So much so that it's so intense racing that you cannot concentrate even through that intense racing. You know you need to go. You must release the pressure, do you? A, piss yourself, something that is hugely frowned upon not only in the peloton but in general society, (laughs) but knowing it's raining, you potentially could get away with it. You hang at the back and just let it fly and ultimately allowing yourself to stay in front group but you would lose all respect in that group if seen urinating on yourself, B. Attempt to piss from the bike. A tough skill to master at any point of the race, let alone in strong crosswinds and echelon racing. You would regain your dignity amongst, the, amongst your peers and yourself, but would put yourself in danger of crashing and losing the front group. C. You stop. You pull over like a normal toilet stop. Know that the front group would be gone and possibly the second group too, but you can piss carefree, safe and with dignity. Your race may be gone, but there is hope and the race is only in the early stages. You may come back in the third group once you hit the hill zone. D, you hold on. Do who knows what damage to your bladder in the short <laughs> term and the long term and you would, own, and, and you would have to con- constant, continually fight that urge whilst fighting the riders, the rain and the wind and everything. It could be your undoing the whole day and when you do crack, you wouldn't just fall from second or third group. It would be the end of your day. But while you fight it, you're still in the front group living the dream. Give me your choice. Oh,
0: well, okay, A and B. Like, <laughs> you I'm can't gonna choose go-
1: both. You can choose
0: one or the other. Uh, well, if it's raining, I'm going to go A. Oh, There's you're no pissing and you're just going
1: to piss yourself.
0: I'm just going to piss myself. And if it's pissing down rain, <laughs> for sure, because it's probably freezing and it keeps you warm and... That's, I'm just going to lose my dignity and stay in the front <laughs> group and ride on to win, get welcome, and I don't give a shit. Throw that kit in the bin. But oh. uh, but uh, yeah, this is um, this is what I would do.
1: <laughs> okay, great. Moving on, food and drink. A few questions left. What do all these beers have in common? Westmuller Double, Rochefort Ten, Orval, Chimay Blue. A They're all Belgian Trappist beers. B. They're all brown in color. C. They're recommended to be drunk from a tulip shaped glass. D. None of these beers are under 8% in alcohol content. Do you need the answers again?
0: Yeah. Uh, Yep. Go again.
1: A. They're all Belgian Trappist. B. They're all brown in color. C. They're all recommended to be drunk out of a tulip shaped glass. Or D, none of these beers are under 8% in alcohol content. That's a Westmuller Double, Rochefort 10, Oval, Chimay Blue.
0: I'm going to go the last one.
1: Run me through your thought process.
0: I think Rochefort's not Belgium. And I don't know that, but I think so. And uh, Oval's not brown. and
1: So that excludes B. They're all brown in color. Okay, that's out. So you think... A, they're not all Trappist. That's out.
0: Yeah.
1: So that no, they're not Belgium.
0: You said Belgium. No.
1: Belgium Trappist beers, I said. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, I didn't think Rochefort was one. Okay. And then... So, you're
1: going with D. These beers are all yeah. under 8% in alcohol content.
0: Oh, is it over? None of, Sorry.
1: None what of these it? None of these beers are under 8% in alcohol and content. That's true. Yeah. So, they're all over 8%. Yeah. yeah. Happy yeah. with that? Lock it in?
0: Yeah. Wrong.
1: Bam, bam. Yeah. They're all trapis, A. Eh? They're all trapis. Orval's only 7%. All of them are yeah. from, non from a glass. And Orval is a blonde beer. That's right. Well done. Okay. Observes, um, you're up there, mate. You need to be doing this study up there. Which of these is not a wine region? A. Cote de Nuys? Cote de Trier? Cote de Brûlis? Or Cote de Cote de Rhone? is not a wine region.
0: Cote de Trio.
1: <laughs> What's Cote <to> Trio?
0: <laughs> it's a, or well, the Nocteburg, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> it's a, a climb in Flanders. Uh, <laughs> well done, mate. Oh, you saw through. Well done.
1: Two questions left. Which of these coffee orders is not a coffee? A Magic? A Golpo? A Cappuccio? A bachelor.
0: Surely that second one's on a coffee order, a, a gulpo. Maybe I'm wrong, but I just even if that is one, I'm not ordering that.
1: <laughs> You're locking in B.
0: Yeah, I'm locking it in. Like I struggle to say magic as it is. Oh,
1: you, so you've had a bachelor then?
0: No, I don't know, but at least at least it's a word. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well done. I can't believe
0: you've navigated through that. A golpo is
1: not a coffee, believe it or not.
0: Surely it's, it's a stupid word that you would come up with.
1: It's actually quite hard coming up for a fake name for a coffee. A magic, a magic is a double ristretto with milk in a yeah. tulip glass. A golpo no, doesn't I've seen exist. That A cappuccio (laughs) is is an Italian word for a cappuccino and a bachelor is another word for a flat white in Melbourne. Oh, okay. Or
0: you can get a golper. Throw it out there. Yeah, I'll throw it out there. Something from Melbourne, I'm sure.
1: All right, the last question today on Talking Law 3.0 is about you. This is the topic. Durbo, what position did you finish in your first Paris-Roubaix?
0: Oh, Inside time cut. No. Just. Oh, inside the 90s. Oh, hundreds. 110. Oh, he got it. I can't believe that. Yes. Well done. (laughs) Oh, shit. 110. 110. Well done. Yeah, okay. I thought you, you might go. have known that one
1: because I knew it was pretty pinnacle for you. You and Luke Rowe out the back all day, made time cut
0: 110th. Well you know, done! I can't believe you guessed that. That was. I've had some good guesses today. Good guesses.
1: Oh mate, well done navigating your way for yeah, talking love 3.0. It's a tough one. This is not all fun and games. This is all tough questions, scenarios, and you know whatever you want to call it.
0: Scenarios absolutely ridiculous, but that was good fun.
1: All those scenarios have been yeah. tried and tested. <laughs>
0: all right. right thanks Mitch that was funny thanks to
1: cheers mate have me on what did you think of that I've like I said I found it really funny talking to Durban he's always a good laugh he was pretty good at the quiz actually let me know what you think. I don't know if I can do a 3.0 for everyone because it does take a little while to think of those questions. But for this one time, it was a real lot of fun. We've got Ruby this weekend. I hope you guys are going to tune into that. I certainly will be watching that. A massive thanks, of course, goes to Rafa, Lara behind the scenes, and Will Jones who puts this episode together. And of course, you guys for listening. Guys, until next week, thanks for listening, and I'll speak to you then. The music in this episode was composed by Pete Shelley. Cheers, mate.